Naughty Nature takes an unfiltered look at the R-rated side of nature, so this podcast may not be suitable for all audiences. And I like fungus. <laughs> I'm Rachel, and I like birds. And, and Todd <laughs> is no longer with us. He's not dead. He's not. That sounded like he was, but yeah. he's not dead. He just got a new job, so yay! Which is really exciting because he's been wanting this new job for ages. a long time. Yeah. So, and we're really excited for Todd. He's still around. He just won't be a regular host with us here yeah. on the Naughty Nature Podcast. He's he's working at a facility that's a partner of ours, the little yeah. wildlife exhibit downtown in Riverside Park here. So we'll be able to Wait, get him back. Did you say the little wildlife exhibit? Yeah. Well, its name is Kansas Wildlife Exhibit. Okay, the Kansas Wildlife Exhibit. If people want to look it up, they're yeah. going to be like, little wildlife exhibit. No, yeah, okay, sorry. It's <laughs> a little zoo called the Kansas Wildlife Exhibit, <laughs> and it's downtown in Wichita. So, yeah, we'll we'll get Todd back on. But, yeah, we're – I guess today it's it's just me and you. Yay! I'm excited. <laughs> that sounds bad, but – No. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Also, we're, like, holed up in Todd's old office. So there might be some weird sounds. Yeah, like vents and echoes because he took everything yeah. <laughs> with him when he left. So bear with us. Hopefully it goes okay. Anyway, before we go any further, you should probably know, again, that this podcast is rated R for some shitty language. <laughs> and uh, graphic content, like descriptions of sex. And drugs. And in this case, virginity. <laughs> this was fun. Also, it's Rachel's week, and I the only thing I know about this particular topic, I got a text last night saying it's about voles. You bet. Which I'm very excited about. And I say voles, not moles. So like with a V yeah, as in v. vagina. Yes. <laughs> Which we will talk about. <laughs> well, okay. So um, voles are amazing. Obviously. obviously. Yeah. They're one of my favorite animals. <laughs> Which is kind of funny to say at this point because everything's my freaking favorite. Um, but ever since the summer when I did a thing about vol monogamy which will like refresh like okay. i know you know a lot about yeah. that so i'll make you like do a oh, pop quiz on i don't know monogamy. if i remember that much hey that doesn't matter <laughs> okay. surprise okay um but ever since then i like looked up some articles about it and for some reason academia.edu decided that i was just really interested in voles and their sexual relationships so i'm not kidding i've been receiving emails on a regular basis from academia.edu specifically about volsex for I, months. I need to sign up for this yes. like immediately. <laughs> I have like a little library built up there now of all these volsex articles. That's amazing. I know. Can I sign up for other sex articles? I mean, I guess so. I don't even know how that happened. I think it just was like, oh, you read this one about vol infanticide, so you must clearly be interested in everything wow. about... Yeah, isn't that cool? That's so neat. So, highly recommend. Okay. But, um... Anyway, I was looking for stuff to talk about, and I thought I was going to talk about birds. And then I was like, I have this backlog of all of these sex emails I've been hoarding. Let's read a lot of those articles. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. okay. So, Lindsay. Yes? What do we know about vol and voles and their sex life? They're monogamous. Yes. <laughs> Good um, job. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I remember. Seriously? I think so. Give me a hint. Well, I don't know. Just, like, you got any more details about that monogamy? Uh, no. <laughs> Wait. Something is, like, stirring in the back of my brain, but okay. it's not in focus right now. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. I know. But I was trying to make a twenty twenty joke, and it was pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Okay. They are... So monogamous that oh. oh okay yeah there you go what if one dies right yes does the other one die I'm well wow no wrong okay <laughs> that was wrong <laughs> I am not right <laughs> you're like on the right track though it's like devastating for a vole to lose their partner yeah, yeah. I remember that now so basically what happens is a vole 
the moment it has sex with another vole, the stars just align and that vole becomes like its entire being, basically. Its entire life revolves around its new partner, okay? Okay. And the bond is very similar to like, it's based on oxytocin. Okay. I almost said oxycontin. <laughs> okay. Did I say that right? Oxytocin. Yeah, Jeez. I think okay. so. Um, and it's very strong. Can I suggest an analogy maybe and correct me if I'm wrong? Go. Is it like when in Twilight when the werewolves imprint on somebody? Jesus. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> um, I Is hate like that that's right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Okay. I really hate that that analogy works so well. God damn it, <laughs> Yes, it's like the freaking werewolves in Twilight. Yep. The, <laughs> except instead of like setting eyes on that other vole, it's when they have sex for the first time. Okay. And then they're like bonded for life. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's a level of monogamy that is pretty unprecedented in the animal world. Like not very many animals have this level of monogamy. Okay. Like – when one dies, the other one is just single for the rest of its life. Like, it okay. will pro- probably never find another mate. Sometimes they do, but it's very rare. And they've been observed basically going into vol depression. Oh, because they lost their little partner. Oh, my gosh. Um, and the reason this is devastating and the re- – well, I don't know. I like bringing this up a lot in programs because um, prairie voles are basically the potato chips of the prairie. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the kestrels eat them. Everybody eats them. Everybody eats bowls. So yeah, breakups are pretty common and it's only because of death. Have you ever eaten a bowl? I haven't. Hmm. And now I never will. Yeah, I would I'm feel allergic bad. to them. Oh yeah! <laughs> I would just feel bad. I, yeah, I guess if you felt bad. What if it was a bachelor though? And it's... But how do we know? It's like a good question. Do they always just like hang out? Do they do everything together? Yeah. So if I find two voles together, they're probably a pair. Okay, well, that's not fair because sometimes they will leave the nest to go do stuff and then one of them will stay home and babysit. And babysit. You know, it's really funny. So we're talking specifically right now about prairie voles. Yes. Which is, for my science nerds out there, Microtus ochrogaster, which is the prairie vole found here in Kansas. It's associated with, I mean, prairies. Shocking, I know. Um, But there are a lot of other voles and they all have some pretty different um, types of relationships social relationships and stuff mm. and there's one called the gruner's vole i thought this was freaking hilarious they they are biparental so that means they they work together just like the prairie vole to raise the young and then both male and female will do it okay um but if in the Gr- gunther's vole sorry i said think gunther's I said gunther's vole. that's a weird name yeah so in that vole if the pairs encounter each other outside of the nest when they have babies they're going to be like, what the fuck, Reginald? And <gasps> grab them by the teeth and drag the other partner back into the nest. And then usually the other partner just leaves anyway. And they just take turns dragging each other back into the nest until one of them gives up and just stays to babysit the kids. You're joking. No. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I know, right? And in one of them, they called it forced babysitting. <laughs> forced babysitting. That's hilarious. I know. Um, so I thought that was funny. But at any rate. <laughs> drag them back. Yeah. Hey, it's your turn to watch the kid. (laughs) I'm going to go get drinks with my friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I love it. Anyway, so that's pretty fun. But, um, yeah. So prairie voles are pretty unique. Yeah. Pretty unique, even among voles. And intense, it sounds like. Very intense with their pair bonding. Yeah. And here at Naughty Nature... (laughs) Our main goal in life is to explore all of the things that we can't talk about with kids. And one of the things that I don't think we talk about with kids is murdering babies. Yeah, that doesn't happen often. (laughs) No, I can't say it does. So my rabbit hole of vole research papers took me down some very weird routes. Um, And I discovered that a researcher named Daniel Olahabal... Olahabal. Okay. It's a Spanish name. Oh. And a partner of his named Larry Young, but mostly Daniel Olahabal. Okay. Has a hard-on for vol sex and relationships. Oh, shit. <laughs> it just 
like under his related articles, it's just like nothing but vol monogamy, <laughs> vol like sexual preferences, vol like relationships, wow. and above all, vol infanticide. Oh, In- you know what that means? Yeah, he's babies die, babies die, baby murder. Yeah, okay, yeah, baby murder. So sometimes voles murder babies. Yes. Despite being this crazy, loving, social rodent. They'll kill their kids. Not their own kids, usually. Oh, other kids. Other kids. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things that they study, I guess, for some reason, I'm not even sure why, um, but they do this a lot in different rodent maternal testing things. They'll they'll test a virgin rodent okay. and its response to pups. Um, and sometimes, like pups that are not its own, obviously, because it's a virgin. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they will then let that animal go through a pregnancy and then see if that changes oh. how they respond to pups. Like, does the experience of being a mother change how they respond to pups? That's interesting. Yeah. And in a lot of rodents, it does change. And yeah. so with voles, what makes them so interesting is that they're already super social. Let me uh-huh. give you some vole background. Um, boo, 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 boo. I had to find – I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, so okay. bear with me. There's a couple rabbit holes, actually. A couple rabbit holes. <laughs> One of them involves dinosaurs. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> okay. Um, so in prairie voles, they are so social even with outside of their pair bonds – that they will form communal groups, not just in the winter when things can be a little bit difficult and hard. And sometimes those communal groups are like, the pups just stay with the parents during the winter. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those family groups will merge with extended family or strangers and people will just, people, voles will just <laughs> join in these big social groups and it's great. Okay. A lot of voles do that. But only the prairie vole will sometimes continue doing that in the summer. Oh, and only the prairie vole seems to do it when they're reproductively active. So you can have, like, a monogamous pair of voles loving on each other in front of all their babies and, like, Gerald from down the street who just, like, came to hang out with them because he was lonely or whatever. And he hasn't gotten dragged back to his own He hasn't babies. gotten, no. <laughs> and it's still a monogamous pair bond. It's not like they're having, like, an extended, like, social relationship because it's still, like, the male and female are bonded to each other. But sometimes there's a little communal group with them. So that's that's okay. how social they are. Okay. So that's why some of their reactions to babies are kind of weird. So we'll talk about bull mamas. Okay. And bull relationships to babies. Okay. Okay. Unlike other rodent species, which really don't like other babies sometimes and like maybe after prolonged exposure they'll be like okay babies Mm -hmm. maybe i'll like lick it or something um prairie voles are seen to display quote spontaneous maternity and spontaneous parental behavior which i had to figure out what the definition of that was because ola hawball studied that like crazy and keeps using all these terms for it um anyway basically it means the first time they've ever encountered a pup in their life, even if it's not their own, especially if it's not their own. The virgins. The virgins, yes. They <laughs> – I know. That was a really aggressive way to say virgin. Virgins. The virgins. The virgin balls. <laughs> <laughs> they will display, display parental behavior. Interesting. So they will lick it. They will groom it. They'll crouch over it like they're going to lactate even though they don't have boobies yet because they're virgins. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. And – that's pretty different. So mm-hmm. they were like, hmm, let's see what happens. And something that's interesting is that when usually rodent species, and this is true of prairie voles also, when they get older, their maternal response declines. So I don't know okay. why. That's just a thing that happens. Do they go through menopause? I don't know. I don't think they live that long. <laughs> I don't think fair. that they usually live long enough to, like – because they're a full captive life. That it's makes like sense. One or two years max. They're potato chips. Yeah, basically. So every single potato chip, actually, in one of the studies where they did like a population wide study of hundreds of voles in the wild for seven years, um, most of the voles every single year that formed little pairs were brand new voles that had never lived on the planet before. Oh, like wow. they were all brand new because the others just died. Because they just died. Yeah. Yeah. 
Fascinating. So, um, one thing that's cool, though, in terms of, like, the opposite of menopause, which is when they first become reproductively mature. Puberty. Puberty. I'm <laughs> <laughs> they don't become reproductively mature at puberty. They are induced. What? Yeah. They are induced ovulators. You know what that means? Yes. What does it mean? Something has to cause them to go into ovulation. Yes. Which means they won't have their first, like, little vol period or whatever until something happens. And interestingly, in prairie voles, the thing that sparks it is encountering a strange, unrelated male's urine. Weirdly not surprising. Yeah, I know. But it's still kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little vole walking around, not her brother's pee, not her dad's pee, but like a stranger's pee. A stranger, stranger like, unrelated. Yeah. And she's like, oh, oh, my ovary just popped out an egg. Popped out an egg. <laughs> Probably several eggs because they have more than one pup, right? I guess so, yeah. Are they called pups? Yeah, they are called pups. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that cute? Yeah, it's adorable. It. Little vole pups. Okay, but here's what's interesting. So even though they will sometimes display spontaneous behavior, there's huge variability in adult female reactions to pups. So only 18 to 50%, so like maybe half, but sometimes as low as 18% of them will have any kind of maternal reaction to strange pups. Okay. So that means the rest of them, what are they doing? Killing them. Sometimes, yeah. Damn it. (laughs) So they categorized it um, in these behavioral studies as either being non-responsive or non-maternal, which meant they basically ignore – well, I think technically non-maternal meant any variety of aggressive or ignoring behavior. But they would either attack the pups trying to kill them, which – for the record, I was very curious. In the studies where they were – like multiple, many studies where they study this kind of stuff Mm – they have an observer watching things, and they don't interfere, but if a mother – or, sorry, a virgin <laughs> – a virgin vole does attack one of the babies, they immediately intervene and remove the pups. Oh. And so usually they won't have grievous injuries, but if they did, they were, like, immediately humanely euthanized. Why did they only intervene with the virgin females? Oh, they only tested the virgin females oh. in some of the studies. Okay. But regardless of whether the, vi- the the vole was a virgin or not, they intervened if the pups got attacked. They weren't going to let them just, like, murder the whole litter. Because basically it's okay. like, you know, the first response to a strange litter of pups is going to dictate what happens next. You know, like, if that mom's going to attack the pups instead of just, like, come up and sniff them, then that means she's just going to kill them. Yeah. And – that infanticidal behavior is pretty well documented. Okay. And actually, the infanticidal behavior dominated over just ignoring them. Really? Yes. Huh. So then people were like, what is causing this variation? Why do some voles attack babies, some female voles attack babies and others don't? And, like, for some reason, Olahabal really wanted to know if they could breed generations of baby-killing voles. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yes. And um, his studies – I have read several other studies besides his. But oh, like, my God. I know. <laughs> it sounds like he's trying to build an army <laughs> of baby-murdering voles. But to what end? <laughs> Seriously. It's not like it could aid in a war. They're just going to kill all the baby You voles. don't know that. <laughs> Does infanticidal behavior lead to aggression toward humans? Ooh. Weaponize it. Yeah. Weaponize those baby-killing instincts. (laughs) Okay. So the studies span from, like, the early 2000s, like, 2005 or something to, like, more recent ones. And one thing I thought was really funny about what changed over time in his studies was that his use of the word virgin changed. In describing voles, yeah. In the beginning, he was like, oh, these virgin voles. And then toward the end, he was like, sexually naive. <gasps> You're joking. <laughs> no. Why? I don't know. I guess they didn't think they could say virgin voles for some That's reason That's so anymore. weird. I know. So then Sexually they say, naive? Yes. And in one of the papers in the beginning, he like defined it and was like, from now on, when we say naive, we mean sexually naive. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know. I so. honestly thought you were going to say he changed them from virgin voles to warrior voles. <laughs> so on the well, weaponizing not all them. Voles not all of them do it, but are murdering. Like unless you breed for What it, generation maybe. are we talking about here? Like third. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get we'll get to that part. Okay. <laughs> but first, the questions they were asking are things like 
what factors cause vul mothers, which are normally, again, reminder, super social to the point of like extended family groups hanging out together, even while they're banging each other with their like significant other that they're super monogamous with. So they're very social. Sounds like Viking Norse stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I dig it. Viking. Oh, God damn (laughs) Viking. Hashtag Viking long sperm. Hashtag Viking virgin moles. Um, tongue twister. Okay. Um, so one theory was that maybe anxious voles are more likely to murder babies. Okay. And they were like, all right, let's study that. So they looked at what voles act like when they're anxious. And then they took a group of voles and they were like, okay, we know that these voles right over here display anxious behaviors in new environments and stuff. We know that these voles don't. Let's give them some fresh babies and see what happens. <laughs> And they decided that, yes, more, quote, anxious virgin voles are more likely to murder babies. How did they determine that they were anxious in the first place? Because they displayed behaviors which were associated with anxious behavior in voles. Okay. And then they tested them in, like, neutral environments that had no babies. Like, here's a brand new open area. Are you going to explore or are you going to display um, anxious behaviors? And they defined what all those behaviors okay. were. Okay. Yeah. I'm and just so, trying to imagine what an anxious bull looks like. Huddled in the corner, yeah, just like shivering. Shivering, <laughs> beady eyes. Yeah. One of the repeated things that kept coming up was that voles that are not anxious are more likely to go exploring and okay. to, like, not cower and things like that. So okay. there were a lot of other factors, too. And I think in some studies they were looking at hormones. You know what's crazy? For some reason, a lot of the vol studies out there, and there's a whole treasure trove of them because there's so much to know about their brain and social structure that we can apply to humans and stuff. Interesting. Um, but a lot of them deal with not just the hormones that are interacting with their brain chemistry, but the genes that turn on and off those receptors themselves. And for me, that was actually really confusing because there are some things like um, um, there was an estrogen receptor. And it was like, oh, that makes sense. It's estrogen. But then I was on another deep dive into these papers and estrogen receptors do like a million things Mm -hmm. like a million like so so it's not very straightforward at all but at any rate a lot of them study like crazy variations in hormones adrenal glands and brain development and stuff and that's why i asked if they went into menopause because you said as they get older they show less maternal interest right yeah. And and that's in general with all rodents for the most part. Yeah. 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 And um, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Do they ever stop producing eggs? Like, do they run out of know. estrogen? Like, I don't know. And that's why I asked about it. That's a good question. We should ask Nicole. We should. Yeah. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> we both looked at the door, which we have taped with a moving blanket yeah. to try and keep the sound out. <laughs> After this. We'll put some notes up. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, that's anxious virgin voles are more likely, to, more likely to murder babies. Also, anxious virgin voles are less likely to hang out with other females in general. So, so they're, they're antisocial. Social. Yeah, they're more antisocial. So anxiety contributes. Boom. Wow. And some of the studies they did with anxiety had to do with the actual hormones. I think I said that before, but that was the tie into that weird sidetrack. I got you. On. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. Now, what was really interesting, they did a couple of other ones that were about, like, what about oxytocin receptors? And does that change spontaneous maternal behavior in voles and blah, blah, blah? Mm -hmm. That was pretty, like, self-explanatory. But then they studied in 2010 a really in-depth look at voles. And they had a couple of questions. Number one, with voles, does going through pregnancy change that maternal response. So that was one question. They also wanted to know, can non-maternity or maternity be bred? (laughs) Which is what we're interested in. Um, Yeah. So this was a super, super interesting study. So here's what they found by doing similar things to what we discussed in the last study, because this is still Mr. Olahabal, who is obsessed 
with voles and their infanticidal tendencies. <laughs> I think I like this guy. I know. Me too. I want to meet him and <laughs> right? have a conversation. That could Let's be really email this podcast to him and see if he'll <gasps> respond to us. Oh, my God. We should. Yeah. Like, I'm serious. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Let's email Mr. Olahabal. I bet we could find his contact info pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. I bet you're right. He works at um, the University of – oh, shoot. Where is it? Oh, sorry. He works for the Department of Psychiatry. <laughs> he works for the University of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences in Emory University. Easy. We'll just look yeah. at the staff. So, perfect. Okay. Let's do this. I literally have in my notes, this guy has a hard-on for prairie bulls. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to listen to this and be like, dear God, do I want to hang out with these people? <laughs> okay. Okay. But here's, here's this crazy summary of what happened. Okay. Number one. Remember that variability in their response? 18% to 50%. So it's not like standard and not all of them will even have a maternal response to – and these are virgins again, remember? Yes. So um, they found that when these voles had sex for the first time and then raised the babies – by themselves because we're testing maternal instincts and stuff, maternal responses. And the male is completely removed. So from the, the male picture. is removed. Uh huh. Um, so she's raising them by herself. Okay. Um, it turns out, unlike other rodents, the prairie vole's maternity response is consistent regardless of her experience. Really? So if you are a prairie vole and you try to kill a bunch of pups that you encounter, even if you have babies and have your own pups, you're still going to try and kill pups the next time you see them. Wow. And that's not true for things like rats and other animals that have been studied. And that, that, yeah. And those animals, having the experience of being a mother changes their response to pups. But in prairie voles, it doesn't. In prairie voles, it Whoa. doesn't. Whoa. Yeah, I okay. know. So if they've murdered other babies before, does that mean that they're more likely to murder their own babies? I don't know. They didn't test that. I don't okay. think so. Because they're – they all displayed pretty – and that's, that's like, actually the next part of the study. So okay. as part of that, they they wondered um, if the females that had the predisposition, again, which was standard, mm-hmm. if their maternal care was any different. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Because, yes. like, you know, are they going to attack and kill their babies or blah, blah, blah? Yes. And none of them killed any babies. I think prairie voles have really strong relationships. And something about the act of pregnancy – I'm sorry, that thing just moved and it freaked me out. Oh, I think it just fell. Damn. Okay. I thought there was a ghost. It scared me. <laughs> the ghost of all the dead babies. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry for okay. interrupting you. No, it's okay. So basically, um, they were wondering whether the maternal care differed in the voles that were predisposed to murdering babies. Okay. And, and again, voles it seems like they just build really strong relationships. And something about the act of going through pregnancy and, like, parturition, that's, like, the birth, and then postpartum things, that's, like, after birth, Mm -hmm. something about that cycle in them switches on a maternal instinct. And this was interesting. In this study that we're talking about in 2010, 100% of the voles raised every single pup to maturity. Wow. So every single baby survived. None That's impressive. were murdered or anything. Yeah. I know, right? 100%. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That like never happens. I know. Like, but even I wonder if that was just because it was like in a controlled setting. Well, I mean, we know breeders that have controlled settings and still sometimes and they like still a rent struggle. that can't get milk and so it doesn't. Yeah. So they have huh. really good maternal care. That's impressive. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's by themselves. Let me see if I have this straight. Okay. So, virgin, excuse me. Sexually naive <laughs> bull. Yes. <laughs> Sexually naive bull um, kills babies, right? Yes. Or might attack babies yes. that are not its own, obviously. Yes. Then it has its own babies. Yes. Okay. Then those babies grow up. Yes. 100%. And that no longer sexually naive bull will still continue to attack other babies. Yes. Okay. Correct. Just making sure I have that. No, you're 100% correct. Okay. Isn't that cool? That is so wild. It's like being a mother and having that experience does not It doesn't change animals. anything. Yeah, which means like obviously that's a pretty like basal part of their like little vol personalities. Wow. If you can call it a personality. I'm using heavy air quotes. Here, heavy, right? yeah. Um, yeah, so that's really interesting. So here's what they discovered with regards to the parent – or sorry, maternal care – of those voles, there actually were very, very subtle differences in how those 
infanticidal mothers cared for their babies. Very subtle. And they acknowledged in the study that the experimental parameters could have affected it. Like, you know, Mm. being – having to – if you had more pups, then you would spend more time lactating. And if you had fewer pups, you'd spend less time lactating just by nature because there's more pups to feed. And so Mm -hmm. some of the parameters they measured, which are pretty standard parameters for care, like how much time you spend with the babies could have been affected by things like that. Okay. Um, But – there were differences. And um, even though they were subtle, there have been other studies. Also, I went on a rabbit hole on that, but I'm not going to talk about it because there's way too much. Um, other studies did show that having subtle differences in your early environment as a pup can have long-term effects on your behavior. So even though those differences were pretty subtle, they could have mattered to the pups. Mm. Mm. And some of those differences also could have been related to anxiety because we know that more anxious voles are more likely to murder babies. So maybe those anxious voles are also caring for their pups differently because of anxiety. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you know how there's that 18 to 50% variability? Mm -hmm. That number does not change regardless of – of like which ones show the spontaneous care. Okay. That does not change okay. by those hormonal differences either. Okay. So the numbers don't change and the individual vol responses don't change. Okay. So now let's get to the part that we're very excited for, which is can we selectively breed yes. <laughs> the maternal response? And this is fascinating. Okay. This is the maternal response, yes. not the murdering response. Well, part of the maternal response involves murdering. So it's – it. Sure, both. It's it's the virgin, unexperienced, because that's like the basal like yeah. control basically is like they've never experienced pups before in their life, so that's not affecting their behavior. So when they encounter per- pups for the first time as virgins, yes. they kill. Will them. they act motherly? Will they kill them? Will they ignore them? Okay, okay, I'm understanding. And remember, baby killing is predominant in the non-maternal quote unquote response. Okay, yes, okay. because it's. More likely to Yeah, they're more them. likely to, to try and murder them than to and ignore take them. care of them or ignore them. Yes. Yes. Because, yeah. Okay. I'm following. Got it? I Got just want to make sure everybody else is following. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And I'm sure our <laughs> listeners do too. Um, <laughs> so the short answer is voles can be selectively bred to murder babies. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're shitting me. In three generations. Three? Three generations. That's like nothing. I know. So by the third generation, 90% of the babies would murder babies. Oh, my God. Yes. That's so fucking cool. I know. And again, like one of the first things I have written down is baby killing was very predominant in the results. Oh, my God. It's so cool. My eyes are watering. <laughs> insane to me because these are animals that are so loving and social. Yes. But you can breed them in three generations to almost exclusively murder and babies. And murderers. <laughs> this is amazing. You're like actually crying. I'm not crying, okay? There's nothing falling down my face. My okay, eyes are just watering. Water, tearing up a little. God. Okay. So this is w- not where it ends. Okay? okay. They had some other very interesting results. So they had three different groups that they selectively bred. Okay. Well, two groups they selectively bred. One that was random. So that was like their control. So on the random side, they just randomly paired pe- people, voles, sorry, from <laughs> from whatever lines to each other in order to produce like random results. Okay. Um, in one side, they, they selected for baby murdering. <laughs> um, so they would pick both males and females that had a predisposition toward baby murdering and breed them together. I was going to ask where the yeah. males come oh, into we're, this. We're going to get to that. Okay. Don't you worry. Don't, oh, uh, don't you worry. Because <laughs> the whole time I'm reading these stupid articles by Ola Hobble, I'm like, Mr. Ola Hobble, doctor, whatever your name is, why <laughs> are you so concerned with the mothers? Seriously. When there are father voles that have an equal part usually in raising the pups. Okay, yeah. So that was like a huge question. The, ma- the males have been in my mind this whole time. I know. Thank you. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, Because like, that's bullshit also <laughs> dinosaurs but we'll get there <laughs> also dinosaurs <laughs> don't worry about it okay <laughs> so here's what's crazy the the line i don't know if i said this but they did also select on the other side of things for maternal instincts so the yes. ones that displayed spontaneous mothering which again is a uniquely variable trait they were like can we breed for that okay here are the results we know that they can breed baby murderers that's done but the maternal line and the random line looked identical. Ooh. Yeah, so what does that tell you? I don't know. That even if you try only to breed oh, yeah. 
motherly pravels, about 50% of them at least, are still going to murder babies. They're still going to murder them. (laughs) Duh. Even if you selectively breed for mothering voles. Yeah. So within three generations, there's no difference between random mating and selectively maternal mating. But they're so that's again the predominance yeah, of baby dominant. murdering in voles. So what the hell? Right? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Cool? <laughs> Something is driving Something that. Something is driving that, which is of course the, the next question that was being asked. But I don't know that enough research has been done to try and figure out like why that is the case. I'm sure our friend, Dr. Olahabal. Hobble. I was scared to say it. I didn't know if I was going to say it right. You're doing great. I don't want to butcher his name. I, as Especially long- if we're going to send it to him. I know. <laughs> um, At least we're not, like, we're trying. Maybe our friend, Dr. Olahabal. Did I say it right? Olahabal. Olahabal. Yeah. We'll publish a paper about it and Hopefully. answer our questions. Hopefully. Okay, but here's, here's an interesting implication of that last study. So um, in laboratory settings, you know, people will have um, – populations of rodents that they're studying for other things. Yes. People have found during their other studies that they'll have populations of their lab animals that are super infanticidal. And nobody has really understood why. But we've shown, at least in prairie voles, that you can actually selectively breed for infanticide. And so the fact that this can be bred for could explain why there have been some weird laboratory mishaps with randomly infanticidal populations of lab animals. Yeah. Yeah, like they didn't realize it could be selected for, and so maybe they were accidentally accidentally selecting for it. Selecting for it. Yeah, That's especially if really interesting, right? Especially if other traits like anxiety and different like hormonal responses mm-hmm. and stuff can attribute. Yeah, those effects. Wow. Yeah. So that could just be thrown off. Who knows how many other studies? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So very very interesting. So this is that's like literally all I know about that part of things. Okay. For now, because I. I Maybe could have gone down another four hours of rabbit hole That's papers. That's okay. But if there's more research out there, it wasn't published under Dr. Ola Hobble's mm. name. Okay. So he had other things to do. Um, but here's here was my question then. And he actually did discuss this in his discussion portion of this one study, which I can totally send you. I'll put it up on our yeah. show notes, I'll wherever just, those end up being. I'll just look at it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we might have some updates coming for you guys. What I want to know – okay. Can I read you verbatim what I wrote down in my – in my notes here. Absolutely. Okay. Star, star. <laughs> what I want to know is, colon, why didn't Mr. Olahabal study male infanticidal behaviors? Huh? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> All caps, male infanticide is so rare that they had to use the same males multiple times in the study to selectively breed them. I wanted to know why they didn't study this infanticidal behavior in males and why the hell they didn't put the males in there. It's like, why are you so fixated on whether mothers murder their babies? Well, it turns out in male prairie voles, infanticide is incredibly rare. So rare that even in these selective breeding lines where, remember, they were trying to find infanticidal males to help breed in that behavior with the females. Yeah. They had to reuse the same males and recycle them into the population because their traits were so rare, they could not breed more of them. Really? So infanticide in males is super, super, super rare. Why? I don't know, but I tried to look into it, so here's what I've got for you. Let's talk about male voles. Because remember, are male voles involved in their babies' lives, Lindsay? Yes. How involved are they? 50-50. 50-50. That's fucking right they are, except for the boobs part because they don't have those. (laughs) Except for the boobs part. (laughs) But but they will display under certain circumstances traits that are similar to lactating females Mm. with the pups, despite the fact that they don't have functioning boobies. That's interesting. Yes. Yes. You did request more boobs at one point, so I'm trying for you, okay? More boobs. Okay. (laughs) Quote, anxious behavior in prairie sexes, notably is not different. So males are not less anxious than females. Remember, anxiety was a potential factor. Anxiety in males is the same as anxiety in females in the prairie vole. Okay. So we don't know why. Hmm. Um, Now, what we do know (laughs) is that rearing newborn prairie voles without their fathers increases the chance of those, quote, non-maternal behaviors. No way. (laughs) 
Yes. So if you take Danny out of the picture, you're going to raise murdering pups. Yes. Holy shit. <laughs> yes. So that like maternal, spontaneous maternal instinct goes down when Without they don't have their, their fathers. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So having their fathers in their lives could make them more caring, loving voles. I know! That was my head exploding. I know! <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. Oh my god! Okay, so that definitely could have slanted the results toward infanticide because <laughs> in order to control yeah. for the mother's response, which, I mean, helps us understand the mother, but uh-huh. that meant that um, we weren't necessarily raising them in natural conditions. Because yeah. although, remember, potato chips. Potatoes. A lot of single vol parents are out there trying to raise their young by themselves. That's not usually the case. And in the wild, there's usually pairs working together for at least part of the time. And remember, earlier we said that studies have shown that very subtle differences in how pups are raised in early childhood. Like, we're talking childhood, pubhood, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're talking within the first two to four days of their life. Okay. That can affect their behavior later on in life. Wow. So maybe even having their dad present for a small period of time – could still change yeah. their behaviors as adults. That's maybe. interesting. I know. Isn't that cool? So, very interesting. I have a question for our doctor. Dr. Olahabal. Thank you. <laughs> Olahabal. What if you take the mothers away and yeah. only let the fathers raise the pups? They don't have tits, Lindsay. So, hand feed them. <laughs> I think after a certain point, they, like, can yeah. Right. Probably. Probably. I don't really know about that. I don't know. Maybe like. I would be very interested in that though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, have the mother there for a period of time until they can be hand fed. Yeah. And then remove the mother. Yeah. I want to know what, because there are bachelor voles out there. And um, I don't know if I said this in the beginning, but um, studies of wild prairie vole populations have shown that there are sometimes a mix of single mothers and single fathers and that those are almost always the result of the partner dying, oh. not because they just couldn't find a mate. I see. So, and that's happen. the whole social thing coming back together. And, yes. Okay. Yes. So it is possible for the mother to die because they split their responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And in some voles, they'll even drag each other back into the nest until one of them gives up and stays and babysits. Yeah. So they share those responsibilities. Sometimes mom dies early. Mm. There are bachelor males out there that are only bachelors because their partner died. I wonder if that 50-50 starts immediately after the pups are born or That's if it's question. after a little time because dad can't lactate. Wait, which 50-50 of the maternal uh, behaviors? No, no, no. I mean, um, 50-50, like, dad takes care half the time, mom takes care half the time. So oh. I wonder if that happens immediately or if it doesn't take over until the pups are a little bit older. That's a good question. But I I know that the dad is also res- involved in things like arranging the nest, mm. moving the babies, grooming them, babysitting them when mom goes to get food. So there's more to parental care in a vole than just lactating the pups mm. or feeding well, the yeah, pups. And that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But and so, I mean, when are the men going to grow boobs, honestly? They're not. But it's still important for them to hang out with their babies and groom them and arrange the nest just right and do all those kinds of yeah, things. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You got to keep them moving. Mm-hmm. I'll get bed sores. Yes. Oh, they did test the mother's... Sorry, this is, like, going way back, but it just, like, stumped something no, stuck out. No, We went on a tangent. That's yeah. my bad. Um, in, in the study that we talked about with the four results, um, they had the voles that they tested before and after pregnancy. They also tested them in the middle of pregnancy. Ooh. And that was part of them finding some subtle differences. So they would do, th- like, mean things, like, um, destroy the nest and then put the babies back in a clean cage and put the mom back in and see how long it took her to rebuild the nest and oh, stuff like that. Okay. And so – and carry the babies around and rearrange them. And so some of those subtle behaviors involved those traits like moving babies around. And rebuilding their nest and stuff. Okay. So there hmm. were sometimes – anyway, I don't know if that matters, but I just thought about it. Anyway, potato chips. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that some researchers have suggested is that it's possible – the reason why these females are the more likely ones to show infanticidal behaviors, like way more likely, is because a subset of females develops a different social strategy, which is strictly reproductive competition. 
with mm. other females that males Makes maybe sense. don't have. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what I was kind of comparing it to in my brain because I know meerkats do this too. Yeah. Me- yeah. Yeah. Meerkats will go into another like little den area and uh-huh. kill another female's pups. Yeah. Just to stop. But they have like a, a huge matriarch. Yeah. Know? They do. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things about Prevals that makes it difficult to fully understand under laboratory conditions what these things are doing is that it's so impossible to fully duplicate the natural relationships they have with each other. So in the wild, their social relationships are very complicated. There will be mixes of single parents, cooperative parents, and communal groups sometimes living together. Um, We don't know what their hierarchies are. We did test sometimes dominant responses of females with each other and found that it really – there was no consistent behavior with which voles were dominant under different conditions and stuff. Hmm. So they they really couldn't show under laboratory settings that voles have like a social hierarchy. And, but so we don't really know a whole lot about that basically. Wow. But yeah, very very interesting. Let me read my notes real quick and see what else I'm missing before I get to the fun thing. That Do it. There's to. a fun thing. Have I talked about dinosaurs, dinosaurs yet? Yes. No, I have. I'm excited. Okay. I have a note here that says, wandering single males and females and single females are almost always the result of pair breakups. And in parentheses, I have potato chips. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, So just backing up a little bit in terms of that vole social hierarchy and how potentially murdering babies could fit into this, which – Spoiler, we don't know how it fits in. This is just, like, all speculation. And and you – in order to understand these, like, weird behaviors, you have to look at the social elements. So yes. here are some social elements to keep in mind. Um, when trying to figure out why prairie voles are so communal, which, remember, it's unusual for voles to stay communal, like, as a group, except for prairie voles. It's unusual for them to stay together in a little community yeah. of – unrelated or multiple family units. And just a refresher, some will stay together in winter. Mm-hmm. Prairie voles are the only voles that will that do will summer and summer. winter. Yes. And um, the ones that will do it when they're not – sorry, when they are and, reproductive. Okay. Like for other voles, they'll do it like maybe at the end of summer when they're not producing babies any, babies anymore. But mm-hmm. with voles, they don't care. Um, so how does that work in the wild? Um, in the winter – with prairie voles, 80% of the communal groups actually include reproductive males and females. So not only are they sometimes getting together while they're reproductive, but mm-hmm. 80% of the winter ones did have reproductive males and females, which just does not happen in other voles for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that both in the wild in these studies and in the laboratory, inbreeding is very, very low. Huh. Regardless of if they're in a lab, regardless of whether the males and females are reproductive and living with their siblings and fathers and stuff. Wow. Which is why they get turned on from a stranger's pee. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So there's some kind of like social recognition there of like, oh, this pee does not belong to my dad. Fascinating. I can bang him and suddenly my ovaries are releasing eggs. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's really, really cool. cool. Okay. Question. Yes. This is okay. Yes. Two things. Hit me. Number one, I wonder if there's a higher rate of infanticide in other voles and not prairie voles, which is why they're not as social as prairie voles are. <gasps> That's a good question. I don't know the answer. Kay. They they actually did discuss them, but I didn't take any notes about it. They discussed sometimes differences, like, in passing with other voles. Okay. Um, I think what makes the prairie voles different and why they were so interested in this behavior in prairie voles is because they're the only ones we know of – that display the opposite of that behavior, which is spontaneous motherhood, even though they're oh, virgins have, and have never seen pups before. Okay. So I think that's what makes them different and okay. why it's so interesting that they'll s- still be super infanticidal. That is interesting. Even if you breed for that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. But we should look into that. Yeah. Hey, if you want, you can sign up for loads of Volsex emails from academia.edu. Uh, I'm gonna. Okay. <laughs> All right. My second thing. Let's go back to inbreeding. Yes. And dads. And dads. Okay. Yes. Since dad is removed yes. in the controlled experiments, yes. right, I wonder if there's a – since that <gasps> pup doesn't have any way to really oh, get – she wouldn't recognize She wouldn't her recognize dad. her dad. I wonder if that might lead to some inbreeding? form of inbreeding. It could, yeah. And it, they did say in the 2010 Olahabal study um, <laughs> that one incestuous pair did happen and it was actually a mother and her son. 
Oh. But that was the only case of incest that happened in their laboratory conditions, and they had, like, hundreds of pairs. Interesting. So um, so it still can happen. And I, my personal, like, thing, I guess, theory, is that maybe they would breed with their dad because maybe what helps them recognize it is that they're exposed is that to they're their around. family. Yeah. yeah. Their dads are usually around. Hmm. Or dead. I got all kinds of questions. <laughs> I know. Okay. I, I think you'll appreciate this little part. Okay. It's not it's not very naughty, but it's kind of cute. Um, why are they so communal and social? That knowing that might help us understand the differences in these infanticidal behaviors and things like that. Okay. So we'll just go over some of those things. Could it be predator protection? Absolutely not. They're potato chips. Do you think having a bag of potato chips versus a single potato chip stops animals from eating them? No. 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 And that's true in studies, too. The only thing it helped against was short-tailed shrews invading their little nests. Oh. So, not that. Second hypothesis. Food resources and their availability could dictate prairie voles. Makes sense. Um, that's pretty well supported in other mammals. Mm-hmm. So maybe when there's high density of food, they're able to be in communities, and that could be the driving factor. Okay. There's only one problem with that. Where are prairie voles from? The prairie. <laughs> Which prairie? Tall grass. Tall grass prairie. Yeah. Um, where is the tall grass prairie located today? In the Flint Hills. In the Flint Hills. And most of these studies involve mm. other prairies in places like Illinois where there's lots of alfalfa fields and yeah. things like that. So in order to fully understand prairie vole ecology and social behaviors, we have to look at prairie voles in Kansas to best replicate their natural state and the natural state they evolved under. Because um, I think all the Olahabal studies are in Illinois and a lot of the other ones are too. And they're wild caught animals from Illinois that are brought into laboratory conditions to breed and stuff. Um, So what's problematic about the tall grass prairie is that there's not very much of it. like 1% of it left. Yeah, basically. And the other thing interesting about the tallgrass prairie is that it's actually considered a low-density food resource habitat, which I didn't know. I don't think I knew that either. Yeah. I don't know why that's the case. Maybe it's because it lacks a good amount of forbs, and most animals need the high nutrient density of forb seeds. That could or... be. For What? <laughs> There's another word, but I can't find it, and I'm clapping my hands like a scallop swimming through the sea. <laughs> anyway, but that might be part of it yeah. because Forbes have really high-density nutrients, and yeah. there aren't very many of those in tall grass prairie. So. Yeah, that's a good point. So here's our, our conditions. Low feed, food resources in their natural habitat. There have been studies of wild prairie voles in the tall grass prairie, and I love every single time they talked about this. They said in Kansas because it's the mm. only place you can really study natural tall grass prairie animals. Yeah. So in studies um, and also anecdotal field observations in Kansas suggest that the communal habits that they observed in Illinois are consistent with what they've seen in Kansas. So that means even being in a low-density food resource habitat – they're still behaving they communally, like 80% of the communities or whatever have reproductive pairs. So the availability of food resources is not affecting their social behaviors, as far as we can tell. Whoa. Yeah. Isn't that cute? And uh, what's driving yeah. it then? I don't know. That's the big question because food resources don't matter. Um, we don't know what the difference is then because – um, the study, all they could say was that there must be some other resource that maybe is limited under certain conditions that could drive it. It's not related to temperatures in the winter or anything like that. Huh. So we don't know what's driving the communal behaviors of, of prairie voles. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's so prevalent that they've even suggested in these studies that having a communal relationship must be like the basal basic trait of a prairie vole like that's the normal trait and having cooperative pairs off by themselves in home territories even though that's usually what's described as being a vole's relationship that's probably the outlier and that's probably not as common as community living prairie voles interesting and these are small communities right there could be maybe three adults and then maybe some pups or something but it's still a monogamous pair with other it's still considered a community yes yes fascinating okay I have to bring something up. Please. <laughs> Say the doctor's name again. Dr. Olahabal. Okay. 
In Dr. O'Hubble's studies, yes, he mentioned Kansas, right? Yes. Which means he probably comes to Kansas. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. Or, wait, I think other people did the studies in Kansas and he just mentioned it. But maybe, Damn. maybe, here, here's the thing. Maybe it means he'd be willing to yeah. come to Kansas. We could go to the front Can we help him study Brave We can look for Oh, balls. my God. Okay, let's do it. We're going to talk to him. He's going to listen to this podcast and, and extra and, be like, and not oh, God. Come to Kansas. <laughs> we cannot show our faces. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So I'm sorry. Also, every time Rachel says Dr. Ola Hobble, she kind of does a wiggle. It's really funny. How else are we supposed to say that name? I don't know, but it's a beautiful name. It requires dance moves. The wiggle helps. It does. It does. Because it's got a different, like, syllable pattern. Yeah. It totally helps. Thank you. Now you're going to wiggle every time. Now I'm going to wiggle. Okay. Okay. So that's all I have for parables. But I know. What, What was that face for? But dinosaurs. But dinosaurs. So here's a side note. Um, because I read an entire paper on parental care um, written by a female author who pointed out that there seems to be in biology an overabundance of maternal papers that completely overlook the role of paternal care. Paternal care. Sorry, I think the I said The father parental. taking care of them. Yeah. And the father's role in the raising of young because parental care um, that's allo parental so that means both, both parents, of them yep or um strictly paternal it's the father involved mm-hmm. it's it's present in a lot of animal groups and today i think the paper i read from her was like 2008 was the publishing wait no i have it open right here let me look at the it's uh 2010 okay um the paper's called modeling dad animal models of paternal behavior oh <laughs> by amanda kentner Cute. um so in 2010, she was pointing out that paternal care is often viewed in studies and in biology as being supplemental to maternal care instead okay. of perhaps the important role that it actually is. is. So, excuse me, Dr. Olahabal, get the fuck on <laughs> paternal care in roles. Thank you. Okay, that's all. Um, but it's present in fish, invertebrates, mammals – and in 90% of birds, Damn. there is some kind of paternal involvement and investment. I didn't realize it was that much. Yeah. I knew it happened a lot with birds, but not 90%. I know. Holy Isn't that shit. crazy? So here's what's going to blow your mind. Oh, and God. I actually called Nicole at 8 o'clock this morning to tell her about it because I was so excited. Ah. <laughs> Okay. In um, Amanda's paper here, make sure I got her name right. Yeah, Amanda's paper. She quoted a study in 2008 that pointed out with regards to paternal investment in animals, there is evidence for paternal care in dinosaurs, <gasps> which means there is actually evidence for par- parental, like alloparental or uh, paternal care in birds being a basal trait, which also comes from their dinosaur ancestors. Holy shit. <laughs> Just put another tick mark on birds. I know, isn't it the best thing That's ever heard in your really life? Really fucking cool. Yeah. So birds being really good dads could just be because they're dinosaurs. Because they're dinosaurs. Yeah. Because dinosaurs also, it seems, there's evidence that they were good dads. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. My mind is just being blown all over the place yeah. today. Yep. So in conclusion, what have we learned today? Virgin what? voles are infanticidal, <laughs> and even after they've had a baby. They'll still murder babies. They'll still murder babies. And you can breed for them to murder babies. Vol armies. Vol armies of murdering infanticidal voles. And that the presence of fathers in a vol's life could be enough to negate that infanticidal tendency in those daughters. Wow. Yeah. And also that birds are dinosaurs. Was that naughty enough? <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank Holy you. crap. Thanks to our sponsors. Damn it. God again. Damn it, every, every time. It literally time. says on this you're, paper, producers. You're looking at it and reading it and you still manage and to I say the wrong fucking can't word. can't do it. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Oh, okay. Thanks to our producers, the Great Plains Nature Center, for letting us, their employees, talk about killing babies on a podcast and virginity and virginity and no, no, no. sexual naivety oh excuse me sexual naivety and vulnerables and nipples and boobies boobies <laughs>
We're going to put our show notes up on our new website. Jump on over to naughtynaturepodcast.com where we're currently working on archiving our previous show notes. (laughs) But we will at the very least have this episode up there for you. Um, to check out. Email us at naughtynature at gpnc.org and the next time you don't want to babysit (laughs) just take your teeth grab some vole by the neck and drag them into the nest until they admit defeat and stay there. (laughs) Don't forget that nature is naughty. So, uh, we're gonna you're gonna edit this and then you're gonna email Dr. (laughs) Olahabal. I have to email him! (laughs) You're good at that kind of shit. You Fine. always are reaching out to e- people. Yeah, I always have to talk to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and strangers of renown. Yeah. Like mushroom kings. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> so I was going to die when he emailed me back. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're so funny. Hey, we also have like a little – this is post-show note for you guys, but guess what? Hey, Lindsay. What? Whose email address do you have? <laughs> I have Dr. Olahabal's email address. <laughs> and I have a draft saved in my emails <laughs> that needs some pretty intense editing. <laughs> but it's ready to go. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's great. Okay. That's good. Bye. Okay. <laughs>